and welcome to the Good River Andes season nine episode. He's gone. He's gone already. <laughs> episode. <laughs> I'm basically I have a sense of humour of a newborn child. That's and perfect it, for me. If you just gurn at me my, that's from behind the microphone, <laughs> then it's enough. Uh, season nine, episode seventeen. My name 17. is Andy Bailey. Seventeen, and my name is Andy Bailey, and this is Andy Cockerill. And the thing we're going to talk about this evening is... Is a movie called Last Night in Soho. A movie called Last Night in Soho, and based purely on the title, mm-hmm. and not even having heard it until you just said it... Okay. I am thinking that this is an art house film, set in Soho, obviously, um, and I'm thinking that there's a lot of glass... And uh, lingering shots of like a a candle that you can see through some glass. Uh, you know, just a lot of time spent on that. Um, at the centre of it, there's a story about um, a single young lady uh, who is kind of uh, thin and wafty. Uh, it's sad. It's a sad story. You don't really know what's going on, and then it ends eventually. Hmm. No. Right. Is it nothing like that? Well, no. I feel like no. I've had to, had some kind of dream, and I just um, it does I've feature a, a single dream. young lady, though. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, that's if I was cold reading, then that would be <laughs> I would be marking that as a success. Indeed. But. We'll we'll move on with that in a minute, but I just I've got a couple of bits of any other business. Mm-hmm. And I have to warn um, you before yes. we start that I'm uh, I'm having I'm struggling with today. Oh really? Uh, I'm slightly frazzled. Like I've been oh. working very hard, and then today I installed just in the gap between tea and recording, I installed a Terraria server on an Azure <laughs> machine that for wow. my son. Because he wants Terraria, and then I started trying to install Linux on my other son's new, brand new laptop, and that didn't work. Oh dear! Uh, because the Windows partition wouldn't resize. So oh, I'm generally I'm fr- a bit frazzled. It sounds so, like you maybe took on too much between tea time yeah. and now. Yeah. So we, I mean, we could yeah. go, we could end up anywhere, listener. So you know, okay. if you like that kind of thing, so keep listening. If it's going to stress you out, you know, <laughs> try just try a different episode. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so a couple of bits of any other business. We haven't done one of these for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, we were scheduled to do one a couple of weeks ago when it was stupidly hot. But mm. I basically would have melted in the office here um, if we'd yes. done that. So, uh, and nobody wants to hear about me melting uh, on a podcast. <laughs> it would not have been pleasant. Uh, but yeah, a couple of bits of any other business. A couple of actors have died recently. Um, first one, James Kahn. Okay. Uh, Jewish American actor, gruff, rough, tough looking guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably most famous for playing um, Sonny Corleone in The Godfather and also The Godfather Part 2. Which Corleone is, is that? He's the one that gets killed in a hail of bullets. He's the one with a really short fuse who um, hears about his sister being knocked around by her husband and decides to go and do something about is it. He, is he one of the main brothers? Kind of thing? Yes. Right, yeah. right, right. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, Incredible screen presence. Right. Uh, did a lot of stuff during the 70s, kind of faded a bit in the 80s, but in the 70s, as a sort of rundown. He was in Funny Girl with Barbara Streisand. Um, Rollable, which is a favourite of mine from that era. I think I might have heard of it. A Bridge Too Far, which is uh, all about the Arnhem, uh, the, the thing to try and capture the bridges in um, the Netherlands during the Second World War, which oh, failed. Right. Okay. Um, and then in the 80s, uh, probably his, oh no, sorry, 1990, uh, Misery, one, right. of, one of my favourite performances of his, where he famously plays a quite submissive man who gets captured by his number one fan mm-hmm. um, and then has to write a new book in order to appease this absolutely psychotic woman who mm-hmm. is 
is absolutely um, beside herself that he's killed off her favourite character in right, his book. Right, right. And uh, when he says to her, but we'll still have her in spirit. And she says, I don't want her effing spirit. <laughs> I want her back. Kind of thing. So mm. um, his, his performance in that is really great. He's also good in Dogville with Nicole Kidman. Right. In a brief, short role. Um, but yeah, hasn't done a whole lot lately. But his interview with uh, Mark Maron on his podcast is very good. You know, he sort okay. of talks about his whole career. And, right. Um, uh, the other person is an actor who was in The Sopranos. Mm-hmm. Um, and also many other things. But Tony Sirico, who played Paul D. Walnuts, who was the dude with the black hair with the white stuff on the side. Yeah. one of Tony's henchmen basically. yeah like major major yeah major yeah. major guy yeah so he um, he had quite an interesting life before he was an actor so he was uh, he got arrested 28 times wow <laughs> yes this was Disor- before, all before or during as well all before right, taking okay. up acting okay um, so he'd lived the life basically yeah. he was a bit of a wise guy Right. And he was he was sleeping on his mother's floor when uh, the call came through that they wanted him in the show. So he did he did go and audition for it. Wow! Um, and he ba- he was basically you know almost down and out by the time this arrived, and then that obviously gave him a lifeline for quite a long time, which is quite a big deal. Oh, yeah. So, so he very must have had died. an interest in acting. Yeah, or something. Yeah. Well, I think you know also James Khan, who came from quite a tough background uh, in the Bronx he saw acting as a way to get out and mm-hmm. do something mm-hmm. completely different so so kind of similar in background and also um, both James Kahn and Tony Sirico were always themselves in the roles that they played mm-hmm. and always brought a lot of their life to the roles so mm-hmm. um, and, and luckily what they bring to it is really interesting and mm-hmm. uh, you know and cool. So yeah, a couple of folks who've died recently. We'll pour one out for them if we drank, which we don't. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm considering a tiny bit of drinking in, <gasps> in my future. What? I'm, feel, I'm feeling better since I stopped eating yogurt. Ah. I wouldn't say that I'm completely well, but I would say that there's been a significant improvement. That's interesting. Since I stopped eating yogurt. So is it all dairy or is it just yogurt that's causing you issues? Well, I wasn't eating much dairy other than yogurt anyway. I I was eating a lot of yogurt. Right. Like every day without fail, I was eating a fairly large bowl of natural yogurt. Um, Because I liked it and because I thought it was helping with my stomach problems. Mm. But actually it was making it worse. Worse, yeah. So, listener, if you've got a long-standing problem that you can't diagnose... Just let us know. It doesn't... Uh, I'd kind of given up and decided <laughs> that it was just psychological and I was going to have to live with it. And there's obviously a significant element of that. But um, it turns out there was also a specific thing that I could just discover that made it a lot better. That's interesting. So, well, hopefully... Hopefully that is the case. Yeah, I haven't drunk well, any alcohol for a long time. Really? And that's not because yeah. I don't like it or I'm stopped right. because of health reasons. I just went off it completely. Right. And I just can't really... I just think, should I have one? No. I just can't be right. bothered. Okay. So, well, that's a good choice. Yeah. No, yeah. no downsides. No. No downsides at all. No. No hangovers. I, um, I, I stop coffee and I do feel a bit released from that. Like, I sometimes I want... I want to have the the nice feeling of drinking coffee with caffeine. I drink coffee without caffeine sometimes. But the, but the caffeinated, but, um, the decaffeinated, still does have trace elements. Of caffeine, it does have some it? caffeine, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but a small amount. But um, yeah, I I I feel quite freed from having to get a drink before a certain time in the morning. Otherwise, I'm just going to feel yeah. terrible all day. Yeah, and I just don't have that anymore. That's good. So I can just. You know, have a drink later on if I feel like it. That's pretty good. That's that pretty is good. good. Yeah, that is good. <laughs> so I don't think I've got any inclination to get back onto. So uh, 
dietary information here on the good robot Andy's is of course free of charge yeah but your mileage may vary and you see it's not just free of charge it's free as in freedom by which I mean like our whole show and everything to do with it really is available under the attribution share alike license oh it is yeah that's right creative commons license so not only is it free of charge you can also remix it use it for your own creations as long as you license them under the same creative commons Attribution share like last. You look. You, you seem to be yawning, Andy. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm also tired. I'm trying to keep the energy level up, but it's. I'm struggling. <laughs> Maybe I should get some caffeine. So, I mean, it's weird. I, I I was expecting quite a lot of remixes of our podcast waka waka to be uploaded all, all over the internet. Mm-hmm. Weirdly, I haven't seen any yet. But um, anyway, Maybe you're allowed to Because the do fact that. we don't have any listeners. It could be that our one <laughs> listener is not into remixes. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, if you feel like doing that, listener, um, you know, you can. just to make me feel good. Yeah. I'm expecting some kind of, um, I don't know, some kind of thrash metal, but with our <laughs> voices. Whoa. Oh, no. Yeah, okay. Uh, after we talk about the movie, I've got something to tell this tell okay. listener and you about, but let's okay. crack on with the film. Okay. So, Last Night in Soho, or Soho Mm -hmm. as it's known, is Mm -hmm. a 2021 British psychological horror film. Okay. Directed by Edgar Wright. Oh, okay. Returning director, actually. So we talked about Baby Driver a long time ago now. 2017, that was, I think. And I'm I'm a fan of Edgar Wright because he made Spaced. Yes, love Spaced. It's terrific. Yeah. Yes. And, of course, um... Shaun of the Dead. Uh, Shaun of the Dead. I I need to rewatch Hot Fuzz because everybody mm. I talk to about it says, "Oh, it's so good," and I, I don't mm. remember it being all that it's good. Not, it's not good. No, but I need to rewatch it and just confirm whether it is any good or not. It's not. No, I know. But <laughs> I feel like I should rewatch it. Fine. I mean, feel free. Anyway, yeah. I'm not saying so, you shouldn't. <laughs> so this film stars uh, Thomas and Mackenzie, a returning. Actor for this okay. podcast from what? From um, Leave No Trace mm-hmm. and oh, Jojo Rabbit. Ah, Jojo. Ah, oh. mm. yep. Later, I'll talk about talk about that at the end. Yeah, okay. Uh, Anya Taylor Joy, another returning person who was in the Viva Vich. Mm-hmm. That was a while ago. Um, Matt Smith, who I don't think we've talked about before, former Doctor Who. Rita right. Tushingham, who is a bit of a legendary actor who hasn't done a great deal lately. Uh, also, Terence Stamp, who I'd say is probably in the same sort of camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Diana Rigg, who sadly died a couple of years ago, but another legend of mm. British TV and film. Um, it marks the final film appearances of Rigg and Margaret Nolan, who both died in 2020. Mm. Uh, it premiered at the 78th Venice Film Festival had its UK premiere in on the 9th of October 2021 at the BFI London Film Festival. And it was nominated for two BAFTAs, including Outstanding British Film and Best Sound. Um, it was praised, but did very poorly at the box office. Okay. So it didn't make its money back. Okay, I'll be looking for an explanation of that from you later. Yes, well, I'll give you one. I can give you one now, I think. I think... It's October 2021 release was probably a contributing factor. Right. Um, in that this is not a typical Edgar Wright uh, picture. It's okay. Qu- it's a psychological horror film. So I would say all v- a typical Edgar Wright film is that one, with, which is the name of a, a computer game character. Oh. What's it called? Oh, Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. Yes. That would be how I would think of... That would be like core Edgar Wright. Yeah, so this is not like that. And this is like the opposite of that. This is, I'd say, his probably his most grown-up film. Right. In terms of um, content and subject matter. It's pretty right. grown-up. And, I, you okay. know, even things like Baby Driver, yeah. it, you know, it's basically a heist movie, but it's yeah. pretty light-hearted. Yeah, 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 definitely. For most of it. Um. So, let's let's have a rundown. So, can I can I admit to yes. a mild disappointment with Baby Driver? Yes, you can. 
you, I think you made me very, very excited about it. I think I did. And yeah, then I did, because I really then, like it. I thought it was good. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's great, but good is good and great. Yeah. 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 Um, so, Eloise Ellie Turner, who is played by Thomas and McKenzie, loves the music and fashion of the swinging 60s. So she is uh, in the present day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she dreams of becoming a fashion designer. Her mother, also a fashion designer, killed herself in her childhood. So Ellie was raised by her maternal grandmother and she occasionally sees her mother's ghost in mirrors. So her mother's ghost is played by Anya Taylor-Joy. Okay. When she sees it early on, is it non-scary? Non-scary, yes. Okay. Okay. Um, And that night she has a vivid... uh, Okay, so she moves from her rural home in Red Ruth, Cornwall, so very, very rural. Mm Mm-hmm to study at the London College of Fashion. Right. Where she has trouble fitting in. She finds everybody quite irritating and... Um, obnoxious. Up themselves and obnoxious. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And she's quite genuine and open, and they just kind of prey on that, basically. Mm-hmm. But her teacher is is very supportive of her mm-hmm. and kind of protects her from the awfulness that's going on around her. Okay. Um, unhappy in her dormitory, she moves into a bedsit owned by the elderly Ms. Collins, uh, who is played by Diana Rigg. Mm-hmm. Um, but that night, Ellie has a vivid dream where she is transported back to the 1960s. <laughs> and at the Café de Paris, she observes a confident young blonde woman, Sandy, who is played by Anya Taylor-Joy. Um inquire about becoming a singer at the club and Sandy begins a relationship with a charming teddy boy named Jack who is played by Matt Smith and he's pretty charming but also sinister in the way that Matt Smith I think does that okay really well okay um the next morning Ellie designs a dress inspired by Sandy and discovers a love bite on her neck or a hickey for our American listeners if there are any (laughs) So it appears that maybe something did happen. In the dream. In the dream, yes. Mm-hmm. That's right. So in the uh, dream, is she? Is, is it from the point of view of Sandy? Or? Yes. Yes. It's And the dream states are really interesting. They're really um, intoxicating mm-hmm. and, and incredibly well done. But you feel mm-hmm. very discombobulated by it. Mm-hmm. Um, very well shot. Almost, there's a lot of um, Danny Boyle energy in this film. Does that okay. does that make sense? Yeah. So Danny Boyle very rarely lets the camera sit still. Mm. You know, it's constantly moving around. I think you know he creates energy by editing and moving the camera around. Mm. And there's a lot of that in this film. So it, okay. It and I suppose Edgar Wright does do that to a certain extent. I think spaced. Um, there's a lot of fast cutting yeah, and a lot sort of, of pop editing in space. So there's a lot of that going on here too. What do you paint? Fear. <laughs> I do anger. Anger. <laughs> she then has another dream in which Sandy successfully auditions at a Soho nightclub arranged by Jack before returning to the same bedsit that Ellie has rented. So there's a connection going on here. Okay. Okay, so her, in the dream, she goes to the bedsit that she's actually living in. Yes. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. Um, she then dyes her hair blonde, changes her right. fashion style to match Sandy's, and right. gets a job at a pub in Soho. So she's leaning in to this. Yeah, she's really leaning into it, yeah. <laughs> uh, she, obs- she is observed by a silver-haired man, uh, who is played by Terence Stamp, who recognises her similarities to Sandy. Right. Which is interesting. So maybe he was there back in the 60s. Yeah. And maybe what she's seeing is not like a dream, but maybe it's like stuff that actually happened. Mm-hmm. But in her waking life, she is disturbed by increasingly menacing apparitions that resemble Jack and the men who exploited and used Sandy. Okay. Um, after she has a vision of Jack murdering Sandy, she decides to track down the silver-haired man who she believes is Jack, but he is not. He is, in fact, a police officer, a retired police officer. Okay. Who turns up in the past, played by a different actor. Okay. 
Um, Sam Claffin, in fact, plays this young version of Terence Stamp's character. There will be spoilers, by the way, listener. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're going spoilerific. Um, Always spoilers on this podcast. Yes. So we then see um, more dreams. I'm trying not to go too deep into it, actually. But um, more dreams. There's a scuffle. um, And... Uh, John, who is in the present day, who is a friend of hers from the fashion um, place where she's studying, <laughs> comes to help her uh, as her place burns down, basically. And sometime later, Ellie enjoys success as her designs are showcased at her end-of-year fashion show, which is very cool. So how did her, her bed set end up burning down? So all kinds of stuff went down there. Um so these like apparitions from the past came to haunt her mm-hmm. and she realized that um sandy has a link to her family mm-hmm. uh in fact sandy is um is diana rig so diana rig is the landlady of the bedset right. Right, right, right. And, and sandy uh anya teller joy plays a younger version of her from the okay, 1960s okay, okay. Uh, and basically diana rig goes a bit loopy and right. decides to burn the place down. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of horror movie style face-off mm-hmm. at the end. It's mm-hmm. it's pretty powerful stuff. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, Dynarig stays in the building as it burns down. Okay. Uh, at the end of it, Ellie sees her mother's spirit in a mirror, then a vision of Sandy who waves at her and blows her a kiss. So, it's good stuff, this. It's, um, I can see why it wasn't successful. I think that if you were, if you were going for another Baby Driver or a Shaun of the Dead Part 2 or something like that from Edgar Wright, then you'd be disappointed. Okay. Because this is pretty grown-up stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also very much a horror movie, mm-hmm. a psychological horror. And then towards the end does get into, like, physical nastiness of horror as well, mm-hmm. like, you know burning people and that kind of thing um but the casting's really great the production values are fantastic just seeing, trying to see who shot it chung hoon chung who i'm not familiar with i'm gonna see what he shot before oh he's done movies with park chan wook oh but he shot me and earl and the dying girl oh we've had that on this podcast haven't we uh, yes, we did talk about that on this. Um, he also shot Uncharted, the movie, which I really enjoyed. I'll talk about that later in the podcast, actually. Okay. Which is a video game adaptation. Okay. And also the Obi-Wan Kenobi TV show. Oh, I watched a fair bit of that. It was so we can talk about that. entertaining. Yes, it was, wasn't it? Um, uh, so, yeah, I really enjoyed Last Night in Soho. Right. I thought that it was a solid psychological horror movie. And what does it mean? What does it mean? Um, what does you it mean? You know you're going to get this question from me. Yes, I know. And I'm I'm kind of nonplussed at the moment. What does it mean? Um, I think it means that when you are drawn to somewhere, in, in movie logic, when you are drawn to somewhere, then there's a there's a meaning behind it and you should follow what it is to try and figure out what's going on. And that that's basically what it is. But in terms of like real life, I'm not sure it means anything. You don't think it means really? something about the trauma? Like, it sounds like Sandy went through trauma. Yeah, actually, no, that's true. She did go through trauma and she's seeking to maybe reconcile that in quite a violent way. <laughs> By burning our house visit down. It, visit it on other people. On other people, yeah. So, yes, uh, an un... Uh, what, what's the word I'm thinking of? A trauma that has not been reckoned with at all, mm-hmm. hasn't mm-hmm. been dealt with, mm-hmm. is coming mm-hmm. back to haunt several okay. people. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's what it's about. Yeah. I feel like... I feel like a film like this is going to have quite a specific meaning in the minds of the writer or the director yeah. or someone. Yeah. And so I'm curious whether that maybe maybe a listener can let us know if they think Maybe that, yeah. Maybe so. Uh, but I did enjoy it. 
Cool. Uh, Lots of energy. Right, okay. I mean, I can imagine that from Edgar Wright. What makes you say it's grown up? It deals with some grown-up themes. So it deals with um, a sexual assault Mm -hmm. and psychological trauma. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I'd say they're two things that Edgar Wright's never explored Mm -hmm. before in a film. Mm -hmm. And he explores them in a very grown-up way. And it doesn't and have doesn't, a jokey feel or a no, light feel. No, so that's where it's very different and to his previous things. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's not winking at you. It doesn't have Simon Pegg coming on and yeah. talking pop pop culture stuff at <laughs> you, Ooh. that kind of thing. Remind yeah. me to talk about Simon Pegg later as well. Ah. Uh, so yeah, it's good stuff. But it didn't make its budget back. It cost forty three million and took twenty three million at the box office, which is Okay. Not so what's good. that going to do for Edgar Wright's career? It's a good question, actually. Um, I mean, he's probably got enough successes behind him. I think, yeah, I think he's got enough in the favour bank, which yeah. is a phrase from the book, The Bonfire of the Vanities, <laughs> in which a police officer refers to the favour bank as something that you pay into, right. and then you can take out of it at some point when you need something back mm-hmm. uh, so I think I think Wright has enough of that to mm-hmm. make mm-hmm. more movies without any problems at all mm-hmm. um, I think if it was a woman who'd done it then probably not <laughs> mm-hmm. but because he's a you know well educated and very well connected man he'll get another chance <laughs> yeah cool yeah well that's depressed me a bit okay well, um, actually, we can talk. What should we talk next? Let's t- should we talk Obi Wan Kenobi? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What did you so, think? Well, so I only watched some of it because one of my kids was watching it. Um, it seemed right. fine. Like I was expecting to have to tolerate it, and I didn't have to tolerate it. I like the fact that it was going up, going on in my screen didn't irritate me very much. Um, all this Star Wars stuff is just... Kids... It's just kids stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And but like, it's entertaining, kids stuff. Kids stuff annoys me because it doesn't get into anything Yeah, proper. it's not, it's a bit surface, isn't it? I, I think <clears throat> what I enjoyed about it was that you and McGregor managed to not look like a plank of wood whilst he was yes. acting. I mean, he. I thought he performed twenty times better yes, than he did in the, in the prequels. Yeah, absolutely. Like just at the normal level you'd expect from Ewan McGregor. It just shows you what a decent script and maybe a little bit of direction can do for you. Yeah, <clears throat> and I was interested that they managed to fit the storyline in without it jarring. Like they've got a period of time where they can they can make a bit up without it being too jarring. Yeah, and they've got more time to play with as well if they want it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really liked uh, Obi Wan Kenobi. I thought it was it was a satisfying coda to that character's arc, right? Um, because God, his performances in the prequels are dreadful. Yeah, really dreadful. And I thought the voice that he was doing was fine as well. Yeah, it was less much less uh, less forced than it was before. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, enjoyed that. Enjoyed that a lot. It was okay. Yeah, I was I was really shocked that Darth Vader was in it because if it made me realise that Darth Vader wasn't hasn't really been covered as a character at all. You, like I just kind of thought that he was covered in the original films, mm. but he's just he just strides around being. He evil. strides around, pointing his finger at people and choking them. Yeah. So actually, <laughs> there is space there for. <clears throat> Yeah. Like a little bit of development of how he how he became the person you see. Yeah, I mean, even his amazing performance in Rogue One, which is very short but very impactful, um, isn't much, really. Yeah. But yeah. does seek to to kind of redeem the character from where it ended at the end of the prequel trilogy. Uh, yeah, dreadful. Pr- so yeah, Obi-Wan Kenobi. What else? Oh yeah, I'll talk about the Uncharted movie. So right. this is something that I was intrigued by because it got really good reviews. 
and from like cinema goers didn't get great mm-hmm. reviews from critics but got really good reviews from cinema goers so i was thinking okay then maybe there's something there watched it and found it to be a really nice breezy take on an indiana jones slash national treasure i don't know if, you, if you've seen those movies with nicholas uh, cage i don't think i have okay so uh, nicholas horseface cage made a couple of movies called <laughs> national treasure and uh, national treasure book of secrets i think which are kind of um well they're kind of indy jones updated to the present mm. day when mm. it was like the 1990s um and it's a bit like that and it's got tom holland and marky mark Wahlberg and a bunch <laughs> of other people and i really enjoyed it it's bright okay. and breezy and you won't remember much of it Mm-hmm. But boy, have they spent a lot of money on it, and boy, does it show. <laughs> uh, it's good. Uncharted. Yeah, those I games, really I've never been particularly interested in the games. I've kind of just seen them around. They, I think they're like open world, you're on yeah. a horse type. Yes, that sounds about right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm not interested in them at all, but the movie's, mm. you oh. know, yeah, cool. undemanding, but not yep. bad, right, basically. Right, right, right. Yeah, not terrible. Um... What else? There was something that you wanted to talk about. Simon Pegg. I yes. think there was something else as well. So, so we've watched a couple of episodes of The Undeclared War. Ah, yes, we're watching on, that too. On Channel 4. Yep. Um, free, to, free to watch in the UK with adverts. Yep. Um, and I think I would keep watching it, but the wife has, has as with so many things, Nixed she's put a stop to it. Yes. Um, it's a bit weak. But the the computer stuff is pretty good. It is pretty good, except, isn't it? Except, yeah. except like several times an episode, they slip into metaphor land. Yeah, where she's she's doing something on a computer, so they demonstrate a bit like what it's like by doing like a dream <laughs> world where she's like like a matrix climbing up thing. a wall yeah. or trying to pick a lock or something, and it's really not good. They should not have done that. Yeah. Um, so, th- so that's terrible. But the um, the the actual computer stuff they're doing is actually quite good. Uh, like they're they're using real programs and things that you would use for for what they're doing. Um, some of the time, at least. Um, the emotional storyline is a bit manipulative. Yeah. Um, and simplistic, but you know it, it's sort of you know it gives. A bit of emotional content to it, so I, so I would sort of I would want to watch it. But anyway, point about all this is that's all yes. backstory to say the best character in it, I think, so far, and I haven't I've only watched two episodes, so I'm not spoiling anything. Um, is Simon Pegg as the kind of nice, friendly? Yeah, it's like boss. a middle manager, isn't he at GCHQ? Yeah, he's like the boss of her department at GCHQ, yeah. and. Uh, like he's really nice, and I think maybe he's gonna turn out to be a baddie. I think he's a badon. So, <clears throat> no spoilers here, but I think there's two people who could be badons: him and the woman from the NSA is the other yeah. one. Yeah, which is it? Is she gonna be the ally, and he gonna I be think the baddie? Maybe, but one of them is working for the FSB, hundred percent. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't know so which be, one yet. I would be really sad if Simon Pegg was a baddie, but, it, but that in <laughs> itself would be a good a good thing. So I but, have um, a thing about this show that's a bit okay, of a bee but, in my bonnet. So 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 just to finish, I think he is really good in it, yep. really likable, and and totally not Simon Peggish. Sorry, mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not. No, that's right. Also, Mark Rylance is in it, who's basically playing the same character he did in Ready Player One. Who's that? If you've seen that. Mark Rylance is like the old guy that she meets who's been around for years and years and got oh, loads of was, stolen kit in his house. He was reminding me of Ready Player One. Is it the so same? It's the same actor. <laughs> I was thinking he's just doing an impression of that bloke out of Ready Player One. No, well, that's the way no. Mark Rylance does stuff. He sort of puts a bit okay. of a twist on a previous role. And, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So I have a bit of a bee in my bonnet about this mm-hmm. show. And mm-hmm. that is that some of the ADR... So additional dialogue recording and also sound effect recording is a bit heavy handed. Right. So it just sounds like, uh, particularly the stuff in GC, because they shot in GCHQ. Really? Yeah. Nice. Um, 
and obviously it's a noisy background mm-hmm. so they've shot it and then they've re-recorded everything and right. it's a bit okay. heavy-handed it's a bit like there's somebody walking along in the background i'm putting my cup of tea down and this kind of thing and it <laughs> no it might be because of my audio setup isn't very good but i've never heard anything quite like this <laughs> but the, i would say the whole the whole show is a bit heavy-handed it is a bit but i am engaged with it and i i right. enjoyed the episode uh, where they did the backstory of the Russian hacker, which I thought was very credible. Right, I don't think I've seen that. So you haven't seen a that bit one further yet. in. So that's very good. Yeah, right, it's very, right. very good. Okay. Um, so, yes, yeah, good stuff. So, The Undeclared War, it's sort of at least worth watching for curiosity value. Yes, if you can get Again. past the noisy ADR. <laughs> Over enthusiastic, I'd say, is what it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What else are you watching at the moment? Uh, quite a lot of uh, the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Ah, oh, good. Yes. Uh, which continues to mildly irritate me, <laughs> but not enough but for you I, to switch off. I like Kimmy a lot. Yeah, she's good, isn't she? Um, but her friend Titus Andromedon, Andromedon, yeah, Andromedon, that's him. Yeah, is a little bit <laughs> in your face. Stereotype. Yeah, he is a um, bit, like I know yeah. he's supposed to be and whatever. And I like, love the landlady. I just think she's yeah, she's good. She's absolute good. scream of a woman. So but funny. yeah, I, I'm not really sure what it's doing as a show. Like it seems like an old-fashioned yeah sitcom. Yeah, it's definitely a sitcom, but an old-fashioned sitcom. Right. It doesn't feel like it's going to have much of a storyline. No, that's fair. Yeah, it does it's kind of bumble along milk, a little bit. Yeah, it's just going to milk the, the the little things about it. For as long as it can, yep. And there's but, occasional um, guest appearances by John Hamm, who is always welcome. Yeah. But yeah, funny. I think the main character Kimmy, I totally buy that she is unbreakable, and <laughs> I find her very, very likable. Yeah, she is very likable. Yeah, she is good. So, yeah, a bit of that. We've nearly finished Stranger Things. Okay, I've I've watched like half of one episode. Right. Yeah, so Didn't we've nearly finished it. that. We're really enjoying that. I, w- I kind of wish I did, because everyone gets a lot out of it. Oh, and we finished Castle Rock. Okay, what's that? Oh, it was a, a show on... Oh, I can't remember what channel it was on. Uh, but you would have seen it on Sky or Now TV over here. But right. <clears throat> it was uh, a bad robot production in cooperation with Stephen King. So mm-hmm. Castle Rock is a town that features in a lot of Stephen King stories. Oh, it's a, lot of, is this the one that you said was like a Stephen King story that... It never was. Yes. Right, right. It was so boring. You know, it <laughs> oh. had like the first two episodes were, you know, they had potential. Right. And then it just coasted for like 10 episodes, gave oh. you nothing whatsoever. It put an actor, it put actors in it who were pretty decent and just gave them nothing to do. And right. then didn't really resolve itself in a particularly interesting way. There's a second series to watch, and we're honestly thinking, no. Just can't be bothered with it. Oh, it was sad. really disappointing. I tell you what, I have been watching. Uh, late, very, very late to the party. I've been watching Breaking Bad. Oh yes, this is without the wife uh, at, at night when when occasion arises, and uh, it's um, good. it's really, really good. It is really good, but it, I find it really stressful. So every time when I sit down to watch an episode, I have to sort of coach myself and say, "This is like it's a okay. cartoon." <laughs> Yes. It's not. It's not your life. You're not the main character. You don't need to identify yourself completely with him. <laughs> and imagine what it would be like if you had just murdered two people and now you were trying to bury their bodies or whatever. Because yeah. you haven't actually done that. It's just a story. It is stressful stuff. Yeah. I think what it does though is it that character Walter White, who starts out, you know, fairly righteous. Mm-hmm. And just gradually gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Until yeah. he is basically just the worst person you could possibly imagine. I mean, he's pretty... I was been, I've been noticing the terrible decisions he makes all the time. Like oh, awful decisions, yeah. Like, you want to sympathize with him. You want to understand why he's doing this. And it, and it, 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 come, it quickly comes down to pride. And then you feel like, but well, you know, like it's... You know, sometimes it's okay to have pride, kind of thing. But, <laughs> but like you say, it just gets worse and worse, and you can less and less. 
justify. Yes, absolutely. What he's doing. Um, the the spin off of that, which is called Better Call Saul. Yeah. So the episode I just watched. Of oh, Breaking they introduced Bad, Saul. Yeah. They introduced Better Call Saul, and I thought, okay, now I know what that a little bit of what that spin off is going to be like. Yes. Bob Odenkirk plays this extremely shady um, lawyer. Mm-hmm. Who's very um, putting it mildly? He's extremely, yeah, very shady lawyer. Who's works for various shady people. Um, and Have you yeah, Better Call Saul is the spin-off of that, which goes into his backstory. Have you watched any of it? Yes, I'm still on series one, and it's a very slow burn. Oh, right, a very they're, they're slow milking burn. it for all they can. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. But uh, it is very good. I mean, he's just so watchable because. Right. You know, it's Bob Odenkirk fun. has a. I didn't know a lot about him actually, but he's done Saturday Night Live, and he's primarily known as being a comedian. Okay. Uh, and that was his first his first dramatic role, and he's got this presence about him that many comedians do. Right. Where you don't really know where it's going, kind of thing. Uh, he's got this energy about him that's really interesting. Right, right. I'm just looking at where. Where I've got to out of the total number of um, episodes of Breaking Bad. Oh, okay. So the episode I've watched, Better Call, Better Call Saul, is is season two, episode eight. Right. Okay. So you've got a way to go. Which is there are five seasons. Five, five seasons. seasons. Yeah. Actually, the um the follow up, the sp- not. Yeah. So Jesse has a follow up story called El Camino, mm-hmm. which is Isn't excellent. There's a spin off called El Camino as well. It's just a one-off. Oh, it's a one-off? Yeah, that's really good. But you should watch that after you've watched Breaking Bad. Okay, okay. So yeah, is that what you're talking about? The- no, I'm talking, I was talking about Better Call Saul. Then I said, there's another spin-off called El Camino, which is fantastic. All right, so I thought you were saying that was an episode. But okay, that's yeah. another oh, spin-off. It's really, okay. really good. Definitely right, right, worth right. watching after you finish watching the main Oh, Jesse series. as in his friend? Yes. Right, right, right. right. Yes. Yeah, so... I'm really, really enjoying it, and I think the way it deals with cancer and stuff like that um, is... Uh, it approaches it all head-on, doesn't it? Yeah, it's very head-on. It doesn't head hide on. away from any of it. And it doesn't... It's not disrespectful. Like I no. say, I say it's a, it's, a, it's cartoony, but like I say, it's a cartoon that I have to keep reminding myself that it's a cartoon. It's a cartoon, yes. Um yeah, I had it, I had trouble when I watched the first series of really disengaging from the yeah. cancer storyline. Right, yeah, yeah, but yeah. But when I picked it up a few years later, it was easier to watch. Right, right. For right, sure. Right. Um, I mean, it is, yeah. it is um extremely painful subject for a lot of us. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and, but yeah, the, like even though like it's a tool that they're using in the writing to mm. drive the character... Uh, it's also like fairly reflective of the kind of experience and feelings of people. Yes, going through things like that. So, yeah. I can tell you what I, I finished recently. Mm-hmm. Is Foundation, right? The first series of Foundation, which right? is a centuries-spanning series. It's one one of my most loved books as a young person. I think for many people who love sci-fi, Foundation is like a touchstone, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's really important. Um, I enjoyed it, actually. It's, the casting's good. I think they deal with um, the stuff that Asimov wasn't terribly good at writing female characters. Yep, or even bothering. Or even bothering. <laughs> to include them. Yes. Uh, so I think they gender swap a few roles in it to give okay. you know, to give balance. And okay. um, the casting's very good. Uh and I liked it. I, it. It makes it, I'd say, more modern. Right. So it's more like stuff like Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. Not Wobbly Cam so much, but in terms of like the way it looks, it's very relatable for modern sci-fi, okay. Okay. which is a okay. good thing. Yeah. Uh, but it's still epic in its scope. And I'm, kind of, I'm pretty yeah. excited. So what does it, what does it cover? Is, is it the first book in the first series or i don't know actually because i haven't read the books okay okay um but so is uh, it like yeah. it does is there a crisis yes in which harry seldon appears yes and is there only one of those uh one crisis yeah yeah okay yeah so and that I would crisis say probably is that 
something gets destroyed in an act of terrorism, basically. Okay. And That's Selden, not... uh, you know, the, the brothers, the brothers, dawn, day, and night. They're used to everything being in its place and them knowing how everything's going to pan out. And Selden says, the empire's going to collapse, but I've got the way that we can mitigate it. But, but they don't believe him. Okay. Um, and he's played by, Selden is played by Jared Harris. Okay, so when I said uh, Selden appears, is he still alive then in... Uh, spoilers for a listener. <laughs> Mind you, if they read the book, it doesn't matter. I mean, uh, no, I mean so like is, it, is it around his lifetime, or is it... He dies quite soon into the into the series. Right, right, okay, good, okay. So I, it sounds like like it sounds like it's probably quite different from the book, but it also sounds okay. like probably that series covers the first book. But then appears later on as like a holographic... Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So that's the, the pattern of the good Foundation books, and not all of them are good, is that... Right. Something, some crisis happens and it turns out, two things turn out. Number one, there was really nothing that the leader needed to do. They just needed to wait because yes. Harry Seldon and the, the plan had already set everything up to work out. Mm-hmm. But secondly, Harry Seldon appears and explains all this to them just after it's all resolved. Yeah. That's um, cool. And there's a very cool spacecraft in the latter part of the show which has interiors and exteriors that are very reminiscent of Event Horizon. Right. Which I enjoyed a great deal. Sort of yeah. gothic uh, spacecraft, which was very Yeah, I cool. didn't see the point of it, but I know you, you like it. I haven't yeah. watched it again, actually, since you said I that. I just had a 4K re-release, actually, which has been very good reviews in terms of how good it looks. Because it does look, right. in terms of visuals, Event Horizon looks terrific. Right. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed that. The callbacks to that. Right. So yeah, well, enjoyed. That might be something that's on Sky or something, isn't it? So I might have to get it's that on, on Apple. DVD. Yeah. So oh, it'll Apple, be out on worse. disc at some point. Yeah. yeah. Even worse. At some point in the future. So do you think I missed? Is the Brooklyn Nine Nine came on Channel Four and then went away again? Oh, that's annoying. Um, presumably, they had very limited distribution rights. It'll be on Netflix at some point. Yeah, so I know I have to wait for it to eventually find its way onto Netflix. Yeah. The it's, other thing that we what, did, yeah. we went on holiday to Poland. Oh, yes, how in, was that? Uh, really good, really good. I logged into the TV uh, on Netflix in the apartment and saw, oh, Mr. Robot. And we were like, oh, it must have come onto Netflix. So we watched an episode of Mr. Robot. That was on Prime, Mr. Robot. Yeah. yeah. But I was like, that's on Prime. How are we going to... How come it's on Netflix? Came home... And it's not on Netflix. And actually, it was only on Netflix in Poland. In Poland, right, okay. <laughs> so you didn't watch so it watched, all? watched one episode of Mr. Robot. It's very good. I liked yeah. it. Yeah. I thought it was like the stereotypes are a bit silly. But um, the, again, the computer stuff, very good. Yeah, it's good. And and it's all me personally, I'm always, always happy to see Christian Slater in anything because he's very engaging. Right. I mean, it's weird to see Christian Slater not on some horrific advert. Um, yeah, really? Does he, he do good. rubbishy adverts? I didn't know. He that. does those. Um, he does those adverts for one of the phone companies, and I can't even remember which. You're one, thinking so of Kevin Bacon, face. aren't you? Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm mixing up Kevin Bacon with Christian. Kevin Slater. Bacon flogs. Uh, what's the name of the phone company that was bought by? Yeah, BT? we don't care. Don't give them. No, it doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it's not Christian. Uh, it's Kevin Slater. Bacon. So. Yeah. So I if I just completely mix them up? Yes. So okay. Bacon was bankrupt. That's why you had to do those ads. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I'm so sorry, Kevin. Sorry, Bacon. Christian I'm Slater. So sorry, Christian Slater. <laughs> I know. I know you listen. Yeah. Well, they're they're avid listeners. It yeah. must have been a hard moment for both of you. I apologise. <laughs> I don't think I've got anything else. Actually, I haven't. We haven't started anything new. Um. Yeah. We're struggling. We're struggling to find stuff. One of the reasons we've been watching a lot of Kimmy Schmidt, which is good, is Ooh, that we did tried... you start watching Big Mouth? No. Hmm. What's that? Did you recommend that to me? Cause I, I did, yes. It's very good. What's it on? Netflix. Uh, I totally forgot about that. Let me see if I can yeah. 
hammer that into my brain. There you go. Big Mouth. Think about the Smith song. Big Hang Mouth. Hang on. It's an animation. Air. Yes. No, that ain't going to fly. Also, you can't why not? What's wrong with animation? To my wife. It just doesn't work. Well, you'll have to watch it then. Also, I recommend for you um, Bojack Horseman, which is brilliant. Yeah, I tried watching Another that. Another animation. I didn't get it. Didn't get it. Right. Okay. <laughs> Uh, well, that's all I got for tonight. Right. Have you got anything to plug? <laughs> uh, no. I'm uh, next this weekend. I'm going to Greenbelt Festival, which I'm excited about, and I will report back on. Yes, please do. Yes, um, that'd be excellent. So that should be fun. But that's not a plug. That's just that's, that's just, just a thing a, that's happening. What do you? What do they call it when you when you you mention something you're going to mention later? A pre-plug. It's a it's a pre plug. That's not what <laughs> I don't they call know what it. it. Is <laughs> I just called it that though. It's not really a flash forward. It's now caught. Oh god, that was a that was a bad show. It's a call forward. Remember that flash forward? No. Rubbish. Okay. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, it was like okay, a well, one I mean, concept it... show that just didn't stick the landing at all. All right, 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 right. Well, I mean, we warned you, listener, that it was going to be. Uh, problematic this evening. I think it's been relatively relatively coherent, but I think it's been all right. Point, yeah, it's been all right. It's, yeah, it's crumbling fast. It's crumbling around us. We should go now. <laughs> Thank you very much. Oh, actually, one thing uh-huh. to, not uh-huh. not to plug, but just to talk about. Uh-huh. Um, so, film critic Mark Kermode does a two-hour show on Scala Radio, which is a classical radio station, mm-hmm. on Saturdays between one and three in which he plays film music. Right. And that, if you're a, like me, you love movies, it's fantastic. Really? I've never understood listening to film music outside of a film. Yeah, but when you, when you hear individual tracks in isolation, it's, it's quite thrilling. Well, it is for me okay. anyway. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, we're putting that out there, listener. Yeah. Do with it what you would like. Yeah, you do with it what you will, yeah. But I'm recommending that. <laughs> cool. Thanks a lot, Andy. Thank you. Thanks, listener. See you next time.